With sort of some of the manufacturing projects that we're going on, we're looking at new technologies for producing therapeutics. And so traditionally, a lot of your listeners will know that small molecules, drugs tend to be produced in batch manufacture. Um, Australia has a particular strength in flow chemistry. Um, and so we're working with teams out of the University of Melbourne, out of CSIRO and an industrial company to see if we can establish a pilot sort of manufacturing capability in this country. Hello and welcome to the MTP Connect podcast. I'm Caroline Jewell. While Australia is getting on top of COVID-19 and Britain begins vaccinating frontline healthcare workers, the virus is still raging in the US, Europe, parts of Latin America and elsewhere. The US alone accounted for 1 million new cases in just a week. This all underscores the critical importance of ongoing pandemic preparedness for policymakers, industry and the community. To hear more about Australia's efforts, let's meet our guest today, Dr. Felicia Pradera, who leads DMTC's Medical Countermeasures Program. Great to have you on the program, Felicia. Thanks for having me. How are you today, Carolyn? I'm good, thank you. So tell us about the DMTC and its Medical Countermeasures Program. Uh, so the DMTC creates and enhances um, Australian industrial capability by leading, facilitating and managing collaborative research and development projects um, relating to both defence and national security requirements. So it works with a, a whole range of different stakeholders, including government, but um, industry, academia, publicly funded research agencies to really solve the challenges, the scientific and technical challenges that we have in the development of new technology uh, for utilisation um, uh, by the Defence Force or by the Health Department um, and um, the whole range of different um, sort of key stakeholders. DMTC was established around 2008 and was originally set up uh, to solve those uh, materials and engineering issues. Um, that's why uh, the original name was the Defence Materials Technology Centre. In around 2015, um, the medical countermeasures was brought on into the DMTC and that was because really there was a, a strong program management architecture um, and rather than reinventing the wheel and having administrative burden for a new entity to have started up, made sense for the Medical Countermeasures Initiative to be led from the DMTC on behalf of the Department of Defence. Tell us who, who are your um, partners particularly? So we have a range of partners, particularly in the Medical Countermeasures Program. Uh, we have around 16 different industrial partners, 17 different universities and three publicly funded research agencies that work on a range of projects. We have 16 current projects uh, in the program uh, and sometimes the organisations are across multiple projects, um, but primarily sort of individually working on projects in vaccines, therapeutic and diagnostic development um, against chemical, biological, radiation radiological threats, emerging infectious diseases and pandemics. I understand you're working on a novel Q vaccine. Is that correct? Can you tell us a bit more about that? DMTC is working collaboratively on a Q fever vaccine um, and this is with uh, the Australian Rickettsial Reference Laboratory um, and um, a company called BioIntellect Bio and we're doing this um, in collaboration as well with the Department of Health. The primary interest in uh, this Q fever vaccine is because uh, it is an improvement on the current vaccine. So the current vaccine, uh, there is an issue with delivery 
uh, to people that have already been exposed to Q fever. Sometimes they can have a, a sort of adverse reaction to it. Um, and also the current vaccine is not administered to people under 15 years of age. Now, Q fever affects primarily people um, on the land, um, agriculturalists, veterinarians, abattoir workers, uh, and it is transferred from uh, animals through to, to humans. And it can cause severe um, flu-like symptoms. This new vaccine is really critical because it, it has the ability to protect all people um, and all age groups and is non-reactogenic, which means that you don't have to have a companion diagnostic to see whether or not you have been previously exposed to Q fever or not before you're given this particular vaccine. So it is a sort of critical next phase development and a shift in technology to improve the effectiveness, not only for Australians, but potentially um, globally to those countries that also have Q fever. What an exciting uh, project to be working on. Absolutely. And I think what's really wonderful is that it's a homegrown technology. You know, so a group down in Geelong have been doing quite a lot of uh, work and um, and we have done a, a sort of due diligence assessment and product development plan to support uh, to support the team. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, we'll be able to not only run the preclinical trials, the clinical trials, but potentially do the manufacturing here in Australia as well, which would be a great success story. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, but um, yeah, there, there's a lot of potential with this new candidate. And I understand you're also looking at antimicrobial resistance research? So the Medical Countermeasures Program has a number of projects which tackle antimicrobial resistance. Um, some of those are in the diagnostic space, and these are rapid diagnostics for um, antimicrobial resistance across multiple pathogens. Similarly, we have a, um, a therapeutic program, and um, this is a novel antivirulence factor, which potentially can be coupled with, um, with antibiotic tr treatments to uh, reduce the severity of bacterial infection in patients. I also understand that the, the program's involved um, with some advanced manufacturing projects. Part of what we do um, uh, within the program is really support the end-to-end -end development of, of vaccines, therapeutics and diagnostics. Uh, there's a lot of um, investment in the country around basic research, but one of the core things that we focus on is on that translational part of development. So in, in technical terms, it's, uh, it's the technology readiness level of about the technology readiness level three through to around technology readiness level seven. So we're thinking about it from a therapeutic and vaccine point. Mm -hmm. It's around that sort of high-end preclinical um, stage through to the um, early phase manufacturing of, of a therapeutic or vaccine. And with a diagnostic, it's You've developed all your assays and you're starting to build your first prototype through to more complex sort of manufacturing in the development of that diagnostic, which will eventually go on to be commercialised. So with sort of some of the manufacturing projects that we're going on, we're looking at new technologies for producing therapeutics. And so traditionally, a lot of your listeners will know that small molecules, drugs tend to be produced in batch manufacture. Um, mm -hmm. Australia has a particular strength in flow chemistry. Um, and so we're working uh, with teams out of uh, the University of Melbourne, out of CSIRO and an industrial company 
um, to see if we can establish a pilot sort of manufacturing capability in this country. And we've chosen um, a couple of therapeutics, which really will form the basis to determine whether or not that this is uh, possible and translatable to other drugs. Some work being done there on advanced manufacturing, which is, uh, I know, one of the platforms, I guess, for growth in the MTP sector in Australia. And a critical, like a really critical um, uh, part of the sector, um, I think for Australia, uh, and when we look globally at what's happening, there's not a need for us to do everything, but there is an, a need to find our niche and what we can do well. Um, and I think that, you know, the work that's going on now, particularly in light of the pandemic and and um, and this review of supply chains and manufacturing capability is really critical to structure what our next stage investments will be um, to support the growth of the ecosystem here in Australia. One of, one of the key strengths of the DMTC model, and it's one of the reasons why the DMTC model um, was so readily transferred, uh, transferable to medical countermeasures, and that's the focus on technology at scale. So your listeners would be really aware of the challenges and taking something that shows promise in, in a laboratory or in design software to successfully demonstrating that it's a, an effective capability and that it comes with demonstrating it at scale. And so what we really focus on is about giving industrial effect to brilliant Australian research, and that's where DMTC is at its best. Um, and to quote our CEO, Mark Hodge, that's where the magic happens. And I've wanted to ask you, obviously, with the arrival of COVID-19 into Australia this year, how has the Medical Countermeasures Program been involved in our national response to, um, to the pandemic? So it's, it's one of those things that this is really the purpose as to why the National Medical Countermeasures Initiative was set up, you know, um, in order to prepare um, to, to build the networks of capability of industrial and academic teams working together and then ultimately, um, you know, choose projects that at a moment's notice would be able to pivot to respond to a threat. Um, and we've seen that uh, through uh, a couple of our diagnostic projects, which were platform technologies, have been able to pivot into um, rapid diagnosis of COVID-19 um, and also rapid inactivation of, of the, um, uh, the SARS-CoV-2 uh, uh, virus uh, to enable it to then go on into, into um, other diagnostic technologies. A number of the other sort of things that have, have popped up is that the federal government has asked DMTC because of this sort of cohort of a network of, of wonderful collaborators and experts that we have as being able to um, do due diligence assessments on technologies that have come to the attention of the, of the federal government. And that's really as an independent sort of broker to take a look at the technology, look at the science and, and technical validity, and also assist uh, those organisations that may be able to rapidly move to generation of a therapeutic vaccine or diagnostic in response to COVID-19. So we've we've had a number of those sort of packages of, of work. Uh, one of the other elements that happened was, as you can imagine, um, uh, the government was getting sort of bombarded with all these different proposals coming in from, you know, people wanting, wanting to help. Um, and so DMTC, uh, at the request of um, the Defence Department and, and also in collaboration with other 
um, other um, departments, began the um, National COVID-19 Portal. Um, and this portal is a mechanism for organisations to make submissions and then we're able to sort of triage and, and point them in the right direction of, of which appropriate department um, may want to take the lead um, on that uh, development of that technology. Fantastic. So a huge collaborative effort really over the last 12 months. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think a lot of organisations in Australia and a lot of people have been very busy in responding to COVID and we've done really well, you know, um, and I'm very proud of, of the work that um, we've all done um, in order to sort of address this threat that um, that's upon us. Yeah, so that really takes me to the, the next point, which is looking ahead, you know, to 2021. We're all sitting here thinking, what is 2021 going to look like? I understand that the DMTC have just opened um, a new assessment looking at the National Health Security Resilience. And I wondered whether you could talk us through what that means and and who you would like to, to be involved in providing information for this very important um, assessment. The original audits that we'd undertaken in uh, 2012 and 2017 focused primarily on medical countermeasures, and traditionally we would do this every five years. Um, uh, so that would have meant beginning in 2022. However, the pandemic has changed all of that, and there's a real urgency to understand what are our um, manufacturing capabilities in a, in a wide range of areas, as well as the supply chains um, to enable those those products to be developed. So, we've um, the remit for the national capability audit has now been changed, and that's why the names also changed to the National Health Security Resilience Assessment. And we are focusing not only on medical countermeasures but medical devices, hazard management, uh, modelling and simulation, sensing systems and personal protective equipment. So when we look at, for example, a hazard management, that's really around understanding the decontamination capabilities, what we have here in country, but also what we bring in. Um, and PPE, there's been lots of work that's been undertaken, particularly by CSIRO, around masks and mask accreditation. Um, but of course, it's much broader what we're, we're asking questions of the community. Um, in modelling and simulation, there's a particular interest in hazard prediction and epidemiology. Um, and so the human epidemiological responses um, uh, is being captured in that and the types of models that organisations are developing. And I think, you know, what's really key for this initiative is we're looking for organisations, industry, academia, anybody who may be working in those sectors, but we're also looking to try and see if there are organisations out there that might be able to pivot um, into the development of technologies in those sectors. So for modelling and simulation, for example, the gaming community might have algorithms and things that might be able to help um, in some of those hazard prediction um, sort of aspects or even in the epidemiological aspects. So it's really an open open call. Anybody who thinks that they have capability or could pivot to develop capability in these um, in these sectors are really encouraged uh, to complete the National Health Security Resilience Assessment. And that includes public, private, and not-for-profit sector organisations. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, the thing what we've done this time around is really created a choose your own adventure. Previously, when we'd, we'd uh, done these audits, it was very much a systematic long series of questions in SurveyMonkey and people got a little bit sort of frustrated with having to go through everything. The experience this time, we've really focused on the user and the user experience um, uh, in, in addressing the questions. So we um, have set it up so that you can go in, there's a series of introductory, uh, introduction questions and sort of some supply chain type questions, but then you can actually go to the sector that you're interested in answering questions. So one of those six sectors. But then within that, for example, if you're in the medical countermeasures space, you might be a manufacturer and not a preclinical or clinical organisation. So you can then go to the manufacturing section and just answer the manufacturing questions and you're done. So there might be some or, you know, universities in particular, which will have expertise across all of those sectors. So people can then answer questions according to, you know, their expertise. So it could take the survey could take anywhere between 15 minutes to an hour, depending on, you know, your adventure uh, within the system. Once an organisation has filled in the survey, what happens after that? Is there a further consultation process? There is. So um, what we'd done previously is, um, uh, you know, people would fill out the surveys and then we'd select, we selected about 30% of those that had responded in the survey to go and do face-to-face -face interviews. And that was because what we found was sometimes people underestimated they, their capability or they overestimated their capability. And so really just understanding where organisations fit within the ecosystem. Part of what we've been doing in the setup of the um, of the NHSRA has been really uh, strong discussions with the federal government around their priorities and their priority areas um, within those sectors. And so we have some sort of key things that we're looking for and capabilities that we're looking for. And um, I think that, you know, if they meet some of those priorities, which we've, we've been made aware of, um, we'll definitely be uh, looking for sort of follow-up interviews and face-to-face -face interviews with organisations. And the overall purpose really of the assessment is, is to give the federal government an idea of the capability, capacity, manufacturing and supply chain issues that we are facing as a, as a, as a nation um, to identify our strengths, to identify our gaps. Uh, this information will help inform policy and strategic investment from the various departments moving into the future. And I think, you know, without your an organisation's information being in there, we're not going to know what the true picture of Australia is. And so I fully encourage everybody, if you want to be counted as part of this, to take part in, in the assessment. And how long have organisations got to complete the assessment? So we've we've actually leaving this open um, uh, till around the 31st of May of next year. So there is quite some time, and I think uh, as well because it covers such a, a large area, we will be doing a preliminary readout around March to give us an indication of where those gaps and those strengths may lie um, in in informing sort of and helping to inform the the federal government as part of their planning for the 21-22 financial year. Recently, uh, on the podcast, we featured a keynote from our CEO and Managing Director, Dr. Dan Grant, about uh, privacy and cybersecurity in the sector. What are you doing with the, with the audit to ensure that um, privacy and security are sort of uppermost? 
Well, as you can imagine, you know, for defence, this is a really key issue and it's something that uh, we spent a lot of time investigating what sort of platforms would be appropriate and how we could really maintain the security of the information that was provided. Uh, so uh, one of the, the sort of key elements of that is we wanted to make sure that all the data collected would remain in Australia on an Australian server. And so DMTC has partnered with a, a group called Gravity iLabs, who are based out of Canberra. Um, and they um, not only excellent in, in, in assisting in, in setting up the survey, but also in the data analytics and visualisation of that data, such that it makes sense to somebody um, who, who has no experience in, in the ones and zeros. So they're able to um, collect the data, map it, on, uh, or put it all onto a, um, a map of Australia so we can work out where companies and organisations are, and then drill down into looking at the trends um, and associated with the strengths and weaknesses in the various sectors, uh, which we've, we've asked questions. So, you know, two real sort of key things is is around that security and making sure that the confidential information that people are providing um, us remains confidential and then also an, an effective mechanism which we can really visualise and, and see the data um, uh, in ways that make sense to our key government stakeholders. What's on the on the radar in terms of future or emerging threats? Look I, I think if history has shown us anything, um, this pandemic is not an isolated incident. I mean, we've, we had um, the Spanish flu, of course, it's been 100 years since a major sort of global incident like this has occurred, but we were getting little warnings, um, you know, probably, you know, for the last sort of 50 years, you, we've had, particularly in the last sort of 10 to 20 years, you know, we've had Ebola, H1N1, H7N9, MERS, um, the original SARS, uh, there have been little outbreaks of, you know, Nipper occurring. So, you know, there were all of these indicators that there was the potential for a larger global pandemic to happen. And, and the Australian government really were aware of this and that's why there was the strategic investment in the National Medical Countermeasures Initiative, you know, and the work that, that we've been doing. Um, I think, you know, there, there's lots to do and lots more to do and really a focus on sovereign uh, resilience uh, has, has come to mind and to the forefront, um, particularly of this sort of pandemic. So hopefully there will be a long-term strategic plan around preparing um, moving into the future and having a fully integrated approach with the right experts to be able to respond rapidly. And so obviously this NHSRA assessment or audit is going to be really critical to making sure we have the best plans in place. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it'll help us to start to inform the priorities and what do those plans look like across the sectors. So, for example, if the next, you know, biological threat pops up with the known threats that are out there, we can develop a plan um, and, uh, and look at, you know, the PPE requirements, the decontamination requirements, the medical countermeasure development requirements and have a plan built. Um, and then if something else comes out, the fact of the matter is we have a structured plan that can be more rapidly adapted and adopted um, for the next threat that, that comes along. Well, let's just hope we get a little bit more time in 2021 to deal with uh, COVID-19 before 
the next threat emerges. <laughs> so the National Health Security Resilience Assessment uh, is available on the DMTC website. It's open until the, the 31st of May, 2021. I'd like to thank you for joining us on the podcast, Felicia. It's been uh, very reassuring to hear about the collaborative efforts that are underway to protect Australians from national health security threats and a very interesting look, I guess, at behind the scenes what's going on um, in this space. So thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me, Carolyn. This has been the MTP Connect podcast. From the podcast team at MTP Connect, we'd like to thank you for listening in this year. This will be our last episode for 2020. And we look forward to sharing more stories with you from the MTP sector in 2021. You can find our podcast on all the usual podcast platforms. So please give us a rating, leave us a review and subscribe to hear more stories from the MTP sector. Until next time.